If you have a Bible today, you can go ahead and open up to Matthew 9. I guess really the, we're going to look at the last half of Matthew 8, uh, starting verse 23, and uh, we're going to go all the way to uh, 9, verse 13. Pastor Scott told me that I have uh, about an hour and a half, so I'm going to take up every minute. <laughs> no, nah, I won't do that. <clears throat> um, I do have a question for you. Um, have you ever been around someone who walks an authority that they don't have? <laughs> your, uh, your response tells me everything I need to know. Um, yeah. I think we've all done that, right? We've all, we've all been around someone um, and maybe walked with people uh, that um, when, when, we're, when we're being honest, um, we, we look at uh, maybe how they carry themselves in certain situations, things like that. And uh, it could be true. It could be a true statement to say that they walk in, author- in, in uh, authority that they don't have. Um, <clears throat> I see this in, in two ways. Um, I think both of them uh, kind of humorous. So I am, uh, I, I grew up in the church, and one of my favorite places to serve as a teenager, as a young adult, uh, and even as an adult now, is the exact opposite of what I'm doing right now. It's back there in that booth. Um, I love, I love to run sound. In fact, I was just on the phone with our sound guy. Um, of course, things break whenever I'm not there, and, uh, and something broke, and we had to fix it over the phone, and we figured out that we weren't going to fix it, so we came up with some sort of emergency plan to, to um, get things going so they can have church. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, I love running sound. Um, one of the things that is funny to me about running sound is that the person in my position telling the person in their position how things should go. You see, there's a problem with that. Those speakers are not something that I can hear, right? That's, they are the ones with the authority, and they're actually in the best spot to know what to do to make things sound good. And so, it's so, so the person, um, some, sometimes this happens with our band at church. Uh, someone in the band will go, man, I, you know, it just doesn't sound good out there. And the sound guy, with every uh, ounce of grace um, that he can muster, says, are you out here? Well, of course they're not. They're on the stage, right? They, they have no idea what it sounds like out there. And so, um, so that's, a, that's an area in uh, every, every Sunday sometimes where we have someone on stage. That because they're on stage, maybe, maybe because we're on stage, we feel like we've got a little bit more authority than we actually do. And we start telling the sound person or the, um, the pro presenter operator or whatever, um, you know, what they, what they need to be doing. And... Um, uh, truthfully, we deserve to be told that we need to stay in our lane, right? Um, so I think that that's, a, that's an example. Uh, maybe a funnier example uh, is related to a little girl that's back there sitting with my wife. Her name is Hallie Jo. Uh, has anybody ever been around a two-year-old that um, acts like they have authority that they don't actually have? Yeah. 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 Um, my, uh, my almost fourth grader is raising her hand saying, I live with one. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, we, I, I think that that's, uh, that is absolutely true of many, if not all, two-year-olds. Is, uh, so when we will tell Hallie um, that she needs to do something, maybe, uh, maybe we'll say, hey, go, 
we'll, we'll ask her to help us with something. So we're cleaning out the car, and uh, we're trying to get all the stuff in the trash, and we need, let's say, the handheld vacuum cleaner. And we say, Hallie, will you go and get the vacuum cleaner for us? And um, she'll look at us uh, dead serious in the face and say, you stay there. You stay there. No, which she's saying, you stay there. So she's telling, she's telling us, the grown adults who make sure that she has food to eat, right? You stay there while I go get the vacuum cleaner. This little girl does not, uh, you know, I, there are some, there are some two-year-olds that I question whether they do actually have the authority that they demand from their parents. Uh, but th- this one doesn't. She doesn't have the authority to tell us, although we do play along sometimes because it's funny. Um, so I, I, think, I think that those two examples, and you can think of many more, um, they, they, they reveal, I think, that uh, when, when someone is acting outside of the authority that they actually have, uh, it can be uh, sometimes annoying, sometimes cute, right? Um, keep, the, keep those two words in your head uh, for the end of, uh, end of the, our time together today. So <clears throat> today we're going to take a look at um, four different instances um, in, in the last half of chapter 8 in Matthew to the first half in chapter 9, four in different instances of Jesus exercising his authority. Jesus exercising his authority. And we're going to see what exactly uh, does that tell us about him and what does it, what does it tell, about, tell us about us. So it's a lot of scripture, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through uh, some of it. If you'd like to read along, great. If you'd like to listen along, great. I'm good either way. So we'll start in Matthew 8, verse 23. Matthew 8, verse 23. It says, As he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Now when he had come to the other side, that means the other side of the Sea of Galilee, to the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him as they came out of the tombs. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture right here. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. Suddenly they shouted, What do you have to do with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? A long way off from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. If you drive us out, the demons begged him, send us into the herd of pigs. And Jesus says, go. That's it. He says, go. Go, he told them. So when they had come out, they entered the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the water. Then the men who had tended them fled, and they went into the city and reported everything, especially what had happened to those who were demon-possessed. At that, the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. How sad. They begged him to leave their region. So he got into a boat, he crossed over, and he came to his own town. I think that's interesting to me. We're talking about the king of all kings, and he gets asked to leave, and he does. He does. 
Just then some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. And seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, have courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Now that's interesting. Put yourself in the shoes of that situation. Some friends brought a paralyzed man to Jesus, implying that they wanted him to do what? Heal him. And Jesus' response in seeing their faith, which many other times in the Gospel of Matthew and all the other Gospels, Jesus sees their faith and he, he does exactly what they're expecting. He heals them. But he goes a different way this time. That's on purpose. That's on purpose. Instead, he says, have courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. It's like Jesus knew what the paralytic needed. You know, you, you, you wonder, of course, this is in a time period where um, you have uh, an understanding of illness as, um, as spiritual, which is something that I think sometimes we, we would do well to remember, um, that illness and suffering, as uh, I think um, Pastor talked about last week, um, has a spiritual um, implications and, and spiritual components to it. But they looked at it and they said, okay, well, if this guy's paralyzed, he must have done something to deserve it. So you think about someone living in that culture and how they and understand they're living with their paralysis every day. Maybe, just maybe, this guy, and I'm, I'm inferring a little bit, but maybe he, he shows up to Jesus. His friends desire for him to be healed. And we're going to see that happen in just a minute. But what Jesus knew he needed, he needed to know, hey, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Wow. And does that before he heals him. Verse 3, at this, some of the scribes said to themselves, he's blaspheming. And perceiving their thoughts, Jesus said, I love that. Perceiving their thoughts, right? He didn't even have to hear them. He knew. He's like, these knuckleheads, they just don't get it. So it says, why are you thinking evil things in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? He says, I know what you're thinking. I know how you work. Which one's easier? Well, obviously, saying your sins are forgiven, that's easier. It's not verifiable either. It's not something where you can go and, and just immediately go, okay, yeah, he, he's good. He can actually say that. Verse 6, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That's how Jesus described himself, Son of Man. He told the paralytic, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. So he got up and he went home. He did exactly what Jesus said to do. So Jesus in a very pointed way, is saying, you question whether I can do this. And it is a scandalous thing for someone to say. I mean, it would be like me uh, walking up to any person in this room and saying, on my authority, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> Please. These uh, teenagers and adults have been with me for uh, two days on a road trip. They know I don't have that authority. <laughs> they know that I'm a fallen man just like every single person in this room. They know that I deal with sin just like everyone else. I have no authority to, 
to say, on, on my own, your sins are forgiven. But that's what Jesus was saying. And so it's a scandalous statement. And so he, so he proves it through, through the healing. It's like Jesus knew what the paralytic needed, that he needed to know. Son, your sins are forgiven. But he also knew that the scribes need to know exactly who he is. Jesus is always playing every angle. Verse 8, when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and gave glory to God who had given such authority to men. Verse 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the toll booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. While he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now when he heard this, he said, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. He just dropped the mic on them. He said, you come, you come here thinking that you, you've got it all figured out. So I'm telling you, and the wild thing is, he's telling the scribes, right? He's telling the people that know the Torah. He's telling the people that know the prophets. They know the Psalms. He's saying, hey, was it saying Hosea? Ah, yeah. I desire mercy. I desire mercy. He's throwing it right back at him. You've got it all wrong. You've got it all wrong. This is about extending mercy in the kingdom of God. So, um, that's a lot of that's that's a lot of that's a lot of word right there, right? Truthfully, I believe that that word is so powerful that I could walk off this stage and it would be, it's, it's good enough to change our hearts. Um, but I think, I think God's kind of put a message on my heart that I want to share with you along with it. Um, but I, I do want to just take a moment and encourage you. Um, this whole church thing is about following Jesus. One of the things, one of the best things that we can do is go back to the Gospels and read what Jesus did and what he said. Um, and I find so much encouragement. You know, I've, I've heard these texts read so many times, but they have, they have life every single time I hear them. So I, I think it's, a, it's an important thing to do. So we're going to take sort of a 30,000-foot view of these, um, of, these, of these stories and see uh, what does it— What's Matthew getting at and putting these stories together? What, is, there, is there a thread that um, sort of helps us to see maybe something on a, on a macro level? And I think there is, and I, I think that he is revealing Jesus' authority. He is revealing Jesus' authority. So, um, spoiler alert, uh, Jesus doesn't show up on the scene with authority that's not his. And he proves it. Over and over and over. Unlike the examples that we were talking about with two-year-olds and sound guys, um, it, Jesus shows up on the scene uh, with all authority, and, and he proves it. In the, in the first story you have when he calms the storms in the sea, right? 
Jesus has authority over all creation. I want to show you, yeah, that. Um, so if you'll go back, yeah, that one right there. So that, um, I got the blessing uh, several years ago to go uh, to Israel and to, um, and, to, and to see where, to literally see where this, where this happened. Um, I, there, just a, a really awesome uh, gentleman that had been before. Um, he, he met me. I, th- he literally offered to pay for me to go to Israel, which is like a $5,000 investment at a soccer game the first time he met me. Like, how wild. How wild. God is so... And then here's the crazy part. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't really believe him. Um, and so I, I sat on that offer for a year. And he asked me again. I was like, hey, I'm still good for that. Just let me know. And I was like, what? This is crazy. So, so God definitely put that together. But this right here, this is the Sea of Galilee. So I, I just, I want to tell you, because I think sometimes we read these stories and we forget that they actually happened. I've seen it. It's actually there. <laughs> and, it, and it looks just like that. Now, you know, I, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to look at that and go, oh, yeah, I can see a storm on that place. I can, I can see a storm on that sea. And so there's this, um, you know, little boat out in the middle somewhere. Actually, they're probably not in the middle. Usually they traveled around the lake um, because they didn't, going, going into the deep water was kind of something that really brave and crazy people did. Um, generally, they kind of went around the edge. And so they're going around the edge, and, but they can't get to the shore because of the storm. And Jesus um, is woken up um, because everybody's freaking out. And with his words, calms the storms. Jesus has authority over all of creation. All of it. Every bit of it. Which is just incredible when you think about it. We say that. We say it. We know it. We know he has authority over all creation. We know the scriptures talk about how he was there when everything was made. Everything was made through him, for him, by him. But like, he says things and things happen. That, that is the Jesus that we worship. That is the Jesus that we center our lives on. That this church is built on the foundation of him and what he has done and what he has taught is truth. He calms the storm. So, okay, that's cool, but why does that matter? You know, typically when a storm happens, I'm just like trying to go inside, man. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, it, it doesn't always come to mind first to ask God to just calm it right there. Although, if it does, I hope I have faith to, to pray it. If the Spirit tells me to pray and ask for that, I hope I, hope I have faith to do it. But I can say that if he has authority over all creation, he absolutely has authority over the storms in my life. He absolutely has authority over every aspect of my physical existence. So maybe what that matters to me is if he brings his authority over all creation to bear in my life, what that means is is that when things are out of control, I go to him for peace. I don't try to fix it myself. I don't try to, you know, do all, you know, I'm the first step and then he's the last step. Maybe he should be the first step. Maybe he should be the first step. Things are out of control. Jesus brings peace. Uh, The second story is 
one where um, he goes and he casts out some, some demons, um, some people kind of across on the other side. So uh, there's another picture. Let's see if we can get up there. This one, so, you know, one of the things that you learn when you go to Israel is that, like, um, everybody's like, we think it happened over here. Or we think, right. So this is one of the spots that this, um, or one of the areas where this could have happened. Um, so again, like, I was there. This is a real place. So now, now imagine it. Jesus actually shows up on the scene, and there are some wildly um, possessed people in a graveyard that are as broken as broken can be. And Jesus shows up, and he doesn't even have to say anything. The demons know his presence. They know he's there. And they call out to him. It's a hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, we'd like to we'd like to go in the pigs over there. And he says, Go. And it happens. Now that's authority. You ever seen that happen in, in life? Someone who, who has who has authority. Everybody knows it in the room. And when they say something, everybody does it. Jesus has that with every spiritual being. Every spiritual being that we can't see. The entire, the whole heavenly throne room and realm. He's, that's the authority that he has. He says, go, and they go. The demons aren't even on Jesus' team, and they have to listen to him. Right? Jesus has authority over all creation. Jesus has authority over all spiritual powers. The truth is, is whether we like to admit it or not, we wage a spiritual war every day. We are involved in it. And we can um, ignore it um, to our detriment, or we can recognize it and put on the armor of God, as Paul tells us to in the book of Ephesians. And, and actually uh, go not in our own authority, but in his so the Spirit of God is in us, as I think uh, y'all were talking about the last couple weeks. We can know that when we approach any spiritual power or authority, when we're in Christ, we're with the one who says, go and they go, come and they come. How wild is that? At least for me, when I hear, um, I've had um, stories of spiritual um, Possession and oppression shared with me. I haven't experienced them myself, um, but I have been shared enough to know to be um, mindful, maybe borderline fearful. That's a power that I don't really want to play around with. But I truly don't have to fear. I have to be mindful. I don't have to fear. I have Christ. I have the one who says go and they go. It's pretty incredible. The third story, <clears throat> we have Jesus healing the, the paralytic. And simply enough, um, oh yeah, this is, uh, this is an, another picture from, so this is in uh, the, how they say it in Hebrew is Kafarnahum, uh, but it's Capernaum. 
Um, so in, in Capernaum, this is what's called an insula. Uh, so basically what, how families would live is they would have a main dwelling and then everybody would build their room off of it. And so you get these uh, funny little maze-looking places all over the place. Um, and this is, this is one of those. That little, you can see the tip of a building um, over on the right. That's a cathedral um, that the Catholic Church has built over what is believed to be um, Peter's house. And so they, so it's kind of, it, they, had, they preserved um, the, the archaeology there, but then have a cathedral over it, uh, which is kind of wild and, and crazy. Um, so, so this is, if you go back and you look at the other accounts of Jesus healing the paralytic, um, you'll see that uh, it, could, it could be that if these are the same instances, which I, I, I think we can, we can pretty surely say that, uh, it happened in a home. And Matthew just leaves out the details where they drop him through the roof and all that stuff because he's getting to the point that Jesus is, um, has authority to forgive sins. Uh, but this, this is, you know, uh, likely, could be, um, a, a residence that this could have happened in or close to. Isn't that wild? That we, like God and his grace, has preserved that so that we can look at it and touch it. It's amazing. Jesus has authority to forgive your sin. Now, if you've been attending church uh, for a while, even, even a few weeks, you've probably heard that before. You've probably heard that before. But let it hit you in your heart. Jesus has the authority to say, son, daughter, you're forgiven. It's not like me. It's not like me showing up. That I don't have that authority. And say, hey, I'm based on just I like you, you're, good, you're a good person, you're forgiven. No. It is the same one who has authority over all creation and authority over every spiritual power. It's him. It's him who comes to you and says, you're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Let that hit you in your chest. This Jesus is incredible. He can literally say to demonic powers, go into those pigs over there. And then he gets on our level and looks us in the eyeballs and says, you're forgiven. That is the king that we serve. Great in power, great in love. Great in power and great in love. And then the last one is, Jesus has authority to call you into his kingdom. Unfortunately, I don't have a picture that, that expresses this, um, but I think this is really cool. It's one of my favorite pictures to share. So you'll see, uh, it's probably pretty hard to read that sign, um, but there's like a white layer and a, and a black layer. That black layer is the foundation of the synagogue in Capernaum that Jesus taught him. What? When, I, when that was told to me, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. It's uh, dark, presumably, because it was raised and burned and, um, and pillaged. And then what's uh, white on top is the synagogue that was uh, built later. Um, and then uh, it was also raised and pillaged, and it's kind of all, now it's sort of, to preserve the archaeology, it's not rebuilt, but it's sort of set up so that you can see um, that, it, that uh, all the pieces of the synagogue 
were there. Like, how cool. We know. We know. The, 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 the Bible is clear about this. Jesus taught in that synagogue. So I, I, hope, what, I hope what's colliding in, in your mind and your heart, it, it's what has collided in mine, is that all of these lofty, incredible truths that Jesus is Lord over all creation, that he's Lord over every spiritual power, that he is Lord over, uh, he is Lord enough to say your sins are forgiven. He, he actually walked this earth. He actually, his feet touched stone and earth. He looked people directly in the eyes. It's not metaphorical. He touched people and they were healed. That actually happened. And if it actually happened, it changes everything. It changes everything. Our last point is that Jesus has authority to call you into his kingdom. The last story is the calling of Matthew, uh, something that we were taught at uh, our youth camp a few weeks ago that I thought was really interesting, was they took a look at, um, the, the pastor, Pastor Jeff, took a look at all of the accounts of, the, of Matthew being called out of the tax booth. And so he looked at uh, the ones in Luke and Mark and then Matthew. Hear the difference. I'm going to read them, I'm just, the, just the first verse. I'm going to read them, and I want, I want to see if you can hear the difference. <clears throat> Uh, here's the one from Mark, Mark 2, 14. Then, passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. Here's the one in Luke, Luke 5, 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. Here's the Matthew one, Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus went out from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and he followed him. Notice anything interesting about the descriptions? Names are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. We're pretty sure that that's the same guy. In Mark, he's described Levi, the son of Alphaeus. In Luke, he's described as a tax collector named Levi. In Matthew, oh wait, he's not described. A man named Matthew. Here's an interesting, interesting thought. Of course, it's, it's Matthew who chose to describe himself that way. He's changed, right? Jesus calling him into, into his family, into his kingdom, didn't have anything to do with his daddy. Didn't have anything to do with his um, possessions. Didn't have anything to do with his job as a tax collector. Didn't have anything to do with the fact that he was seen as the scum of the earth by his uh, family members and seen as righteous by the Roman Empire. Didn't have anything to do with that. He's just Matthew in need of Jesus. So Jesus shows up and he says, hey, you, follow me. What does he do? Followed him. 
dropped it and followed him. Does that sound like somebody who has authority? I think that's something that um, we forget about. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I think it's okay. Jesus invites us to be a part of his kingdom, absolutely. He also calls us to be a part of his kingdom. And as the king of all kings, he is deserving of that response. Yes, sir. I'll drop everything and follow you. Right? We know it up here. It's got to travel 18 inches here. That we have the same response as if, a, uh, if someone comes who has great authority and tells us to do something. We're talking about the one who has authority to say, wind, stop it. Demon, go. Son, your sins are forgiven. That's who we're talking about. So when he says, come and follow me, how silly is it that we say, oh, I'll, th- I'll think about it. <laughs> no, he, has, he has the authority to say, hey, come on. The proper answer is yes. Yes. He has authority over all creation. He has authority over every spiritual power. He has authority to forgive you of your sin. And he has the authority to call you into his kingdom. If you uh, miss everything else, don't miss this. Jesus is calling you to healing, forgiveness, and adoption in his kingdom. And he has the authority to do it. He can back it up. He did over and over and over. And truthfully, if all of that wasn't enough, we have the cross. We have the empty tomb. He showed up. He has every bit of authority that he claims. And so I think we're met, uh, we're, we're at the crossroads with Matthew. Will we say, will we see the love in his eyes, the forgiveness that he truly extends and can extend, the power in his word, the authority that he carries? And we say yes. Yes. By the way, that's a daily thing, right? Something we do every day we wake up. Sometimes I do that better than others, right? So I think the danger is that we treat Jesus' authority like we do of those who uh, think that they have some, but they don't. That's cute. That's nice, Jesus. Thanks for that, Thanks for that forgiveness. I really appreciate it. Or, on the other side, that it's annoying. (laughs) Jesus, why do you keep telling me what to do? (laughs) Why do you keep telling me how to live my life? You see how silly that is? When we see that he is Lord of all creation. Lord over every spiritual power. Lord who holds forgiveness. 
who calls us to be a part of his kingdom. The, calls us, by the way, right, the, the, those that don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be a part of his kingdom. Even if every soul in here said that I did, I'll tell you, I don't. There's no way I deserve that. But by the grace of God, because he has the authority to, I get to. I get to be a part of his kingdom. So, two things to think about. One is, what would La Junta and Canyon Lake look like if God's people lived by the reality of his authority rather than just the idea of his authority? What would Lahana and Canyon Lake look like if we lived by the reality of his authority rather than just the idea of it? I believe that would look different. I know uh, in... I, I can't speak for Lahana because I'm here about uh, one week out of every year. But I can speak for Canyon Lake for sure. If we, if every God-fearing person lived understanding the reality of Jesus' authority over everything, God-fearing people would live their lives differently. Whew, that hurts, right? That stings. Here's the, other, here's the other side of that coin. Jesus is lovingly say, come on, right now. Whatever, whatever mistakes we brought to the table, whatever victories we brought to the table, he's saying, come on, you got work to do. So I think the answer is yes. Here's the second thing that I would like to say is I think this message is for two, different pe- two, two kinds of people. I think there's some in the room today that may, uh, you have just come face to face with the authority of the God of the universe in Jesus Christ. And you have a response. The challenge is, will the response be yes or no? I think Jesus has shown that he's good for it. And dying on the cross for us, rising again three days later, showing that he has all power in his hands. He's good for it. But he still invites us to say yes. So will we? It's one, one kind of person. I think the other kind of person in the room is, um, are those of us, and this would be the category that I fall in, um, that I, ha- I know. I, I, I know these things are true. But like I was saying earlier, sometimes it doesn't fall the 18 inches from my head to my heart. And I don't believe that it's true. Is God maybe exposing an area of your life where it's time to be open-handed? It's, it's time to say yes, yes. Maybe a calling that he has put on your life, a ministry that he's calling you to do. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's putting some stuff out of your life. Maybe it's forgiveness. That's one of the big ones that goes unnoticed sometimes. Or we hold resentment towards people in our heart. That doesn't honor the Lord. 
Jesus is the only one that like ha- gets to do that, but he chooses not to. He chooses to say, son, daughter, you're forgiven. So maybe it's, maybe it's forgiving someone that needs to be forgiven. Whatever it is, for those of us who have encountered the authority of Christ and said yes already, my challenge is to you is to will you allow King Jesus to reign in every area of your life? Will you allow him to bring his authority to bear, to bring peace when things are chaotic, to bring truth when things are funky, to bring forgiveness, to bring healing? And for those of you in the room who would say, you know what, I am just now, it's hitting me in the face. I get it. And I want to say yes. Jesus is calling me and I want to say yes. My challenge to you is to say yes, but share it with somebody. Share it with Pastor Scott. Share it with Pastor Dennis. You can share it with me, but I'm going to drag you to one of those two guys probably. But say something. Because we're not meant to make that decision as individuals only. We make it individually, but we make it as a community. And when we say yes, we are a part of a community from then on. And it's important to continue to walk that decision to live under the authority of Christ in community. Because I'm here to tell you, it's stinking hard sometimes. It's really hard sometimes. But oh, is it worth it. Oh, is it worth it. Let me pray for you. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for backing your authority up. Because sometimes, Lord, we are, um, we, we are faithless and we miss it. But God, over and over and over, you are here to look us in the eyes and say, Son, daughter, you're forgiven. Follow me. I have all authority in my hands. God, thank you for showing over and over and over that you are worthy of our faith, that you are worthy of our trust. God, we pray that as we move into a time where um, we take the bread and the cup and we remember death and life that you bring to us, that you invite us to be a part of, the forgiveness that we get from you, the price you paid, and that you truly are the bread of life, giving us purpose and meaning in this dark and lost world. God, meet with us during this time. For those in this room, Lord, that you are calling them and they're ready to say yes, God, give them the boldness and the courage to do it. Whether it's in a specific area of their life or whether it's giving their entire lives to you, God, give them courage to say yes and to do it with a community of believers. God, thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for your truth and your word. I pray that you would do great things with it in my life because, Lord, I need it.
work in this place. We love you. We pray things in your name, Jesus. Amen.